Looks like we just woke the dead. Hello, my name is Will, and this is Exploding Helicopters, the only podcast in the world looking at the strange way helicopters keep blowing up in film. In 2013, World War Z was one of the most talked about movies of the year. Based on a best-selling novel, it had Brad Pitt as its star, an ambitious world-spanning plot, and a respected dramatic director at its helm. Unfortunately, World War Z was mostly being talked about for its tales of production woe. Its script had been endlessly rewritten, its ending expensively reshot, and its release worryingly delayed. So when the film finally lurched into theatres, the big question was, was whether World War Z had been saved from a grisly cinematic death. So given that we're talking about a film full of the brain dead who are only capable of moaning incoherently, my guest today couldn't be more appropriate. With me once again is my good friend Dara. How you doing, buddy? Oh, brains! <laughs> I thought that might be what you uh, came back at me with. I'm glad you're so predictable. Brains! Brains! <laughs> I hope your contributions pick up from here. Uh, that's about as far, that's about as good, deep as it's going to get today, Will. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, as we're tackling sort of World War Z, you know, and that's a zombie movie, it kind of brought a question into my mind, which is uh, how prepared do you think you would be for a zombie apocalypse? That's, very, that's a very good question, which you've sprung on me, Will. I like, I like these surprise questions. I like to keep a full larder at home. So, you know, I like, don't ever really get down to the bare essentials. You know, if I, if I see I'm running out of a few things, then on my Tesco order, I'll make sure I might order a couple extra tins of butter beans. <laughs> so if tomorrow, if tomorrow there was, you know, uh, a bulletin uh, in the morning saying that, unfortunately, normal life's ended and uh, zombies were out in the streets, I would have a pretty good stock of food. To last me, you know, a good while. And I like to think, you know, I'm a resourceful kind of guy. I would uh, maybe fashion some uh, barrels for rainwater and things like that. You know, so yeah, I felt I'd, I'd quite like. I, I fancy my chances in a in a post-zombie apocalypse. I mean, do you think you could easily fortify your home? Well, I've got one entrance, one front entrance, one back entrance, narrow hallway. I've I've seen The Walking Dead. I could just put spikes. In the hallways, if they come in, they just go straight on the spikes and kill themselves. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I feel confident. And so in the event of a, a sort of zombie apocalypse, you know, it's likely that civilization is going to break down. And, you know, often in these types of movies where you see that sort of situation play out, you see people fall into one or two, one of two camps. They're either this, you know, caring, sharing group of people who want to, you know, replicate and reproduce civilization as it was, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they become kind of like a, a rampaging feral horde. Which kind of camp do you think you would uh, fall into? Oh, that's a very good question, Will. This is something <laughs> I often, in my kind of quiet moments, I have a, I have a, I have a, a think about, and I, I know for a fact, if there was some sort of nuclear war and some, you know, or some terrible plague affecting everyone, people would go absolute bananas. They'd be chopping up their grandma for dinner. They're, you know, the people, the worst aspects of humankind would come out. They'd just be absolute chaos. And if I was honest, I would be looking out for number one, but <laughs> my number one would include my friends and family. So it would be, I would create my own heavily fortified commune. A bit like Mad Max, perhaps. <laughs> Your friends and family would be safe until such time as they became like a commodity that could be bargained quite handily for. If they had, you know, extra layers of fat or something and they were worth two barrels of oil, then, you know. They might have to go. They might have to go. There's, You know, mum, sorry, love, you know, you've been good so far, but 
Baby's got to eat. Okay, well, I think it's time we took a human flesh frenzied bite out of World War Z. Cue the dramatic strings. Worldwide. Is anyone doing better than we are? We've lost the East Coast. Moscow's still dark. Life as we know it will come to an end in 90 days. It's on us to change that. I can't leave my family. Don't pretend your family is exempt. When we talk about the end of humanity. Okay, World War Z. Brad Pitt plays a former United Nations investigator who is called back into service when the world is plagued by a mysterious infection which has turned the human population into rampaging, mindless zombies. He's charged with finding the source of the outbreak, which scientists believe will help them find a cure. Pitt's search takes him from the United States to North Korea, Israel, and then, most bizarrely, Wales. The cast is obviously headed by Brad Pitt, but in supporting roles, we have a surprising number of television actors. So we've got that bloke out of Lost, a dude from Scorpion, and a guy from Treme. Uh, apparently they spent $190 million on this film. Clearly none of it was spent on the cast. World War Z was directed by Mark Forster, who made the critically acclaimed Monsters Ball and Finding Neverland, and the critically derided Quantum of Solace. World War Z got pretty lukewarm reviews when it came out. The Daily Telegraph said it was a collection of moderately violent action set pieces, untroubled by humour or coherence, while Time Out said that the film was less a horror flick than a thinking man's action thriller, dubbing it the Newsnight of zombie films. <laughs> As is often the case, Joe Public seems to like the film rather better. On IMDb, the film has a rating of 7, while Letterboxd users have the film averaging 3 out of 5 stars. So, Dara... What do you make of uh, World War Z? Yeah, I like that description, the news night of zombie films. I, I I had it down as the born identity of zombie films. Mm. So it's kind of a bit more, you know, there's a lot, it's a lot of jumping from place to place. Um, it's got that real world quality, um, you know, with, uh, I like a film for something like this, a potential reality. A, there's a possibility, obviously there's other thing as zombies, but if we, I think zombies are so entrenched in the, common psyche we could see you know we get viruses and flu you know flu pandemics and things it kind of ties into that i like the way that this film starts off with kind of real footage with real news anchors reporting on real stories which they've used um and i was really surprised i was thinking oh this is gonna be another kind of actiony thing with a big you know blockbustery brad pitt in in the role that you know he's doing the usual sort of stuff i thought i was going to not like this very much but i actually really enjoyed this film and i think we're going to talk about it later there are quite there's quite a lot of action in this film and they could have gone the whole hog and made this a sort of rambo versus the zombies but they brought it back they toned it down at the end uh we're going to talk about the the change of rewrites that this film has had and uh, they made it quite tense and sort of sparse ending to the film which i thought w w worked really well and i actually really enjoyed this film well sadly it seems that you enjoyed the film quite a bit more than i did i think this film actually contains uh, sort of a, its own metaphor for um, what i made of it so uh, we learn at one point that uh, north korea has actually sort of survived the zombie apocalypse quite well because the country have pulled out the teeth 
from all 23 million of its citizens. And uh, that seemed rather apt to me because I think this is a rather toothless zombie movie uh, for my own money. It's not to say I don't think it's got some good qualities. I kind of enjoyed the, the large global scale of the plot. And it was interesting to actually see a zombie movie where you see the whole world like caught up in the mm. in the, the plague or the virus. That's not something you often see in zombies, zombie movies. There's a few others that have done that. You know, I thought there's some really good individual scenes in this film, but I did think that it was rather hamstrung by a stodgy story and also hamstrung by its a PG-13 rating, which I think in a zombie movie, I think you need to be able to show certain levels of violence. And I think the desire to keep the rating down to PG-13, I think really sort of harmed some of this film. Well, that's an interesting one because um, I did notice that. And obviously it's unusual for a zombie film to be a PG-13. Um, I think Brad Pitt originally wanted to go hard. He wanted to have an R-rated type film. There was a lot of footage shot, I believe, that was quite graphic and quite gory. And obviously, if you want to make... If, a, if this is a big... But, and this is the problem I think a lot of filmmakers have is that they, they're dictated to by the studios who want to make as much money as possible. And by making a film an R, you're cutting off vast selection of, of moviegoers from actually watching a film and paying their money. So they cut a lot of the gore and stuff out of this film. Personally, I thought it would still work pretty well. Part of the art of make, filmmaking, I guess, is leaving the gaps for your for the viewers to use their own imagination, which I thought they did well in certain places. Yeah, it's certainly no uh, George A. Romero type guts blowing out. Uh, you know, if that's your bag, Will, then I can understand you being disappointed. Yeah, well, I think you're doing a slight disservice to the Romero zombie movies because whilst they do obviously have that explicit level of gore, the stories within them are often very intelligent and they're often allegories for social issues. So he's, yeah. he's dealt with like racism, he's dealt with, you know, consumerism, consumerism and stuff in, in his movies. So his movies aren't just about no, uh, no, blood I, and guts. I, I... I agree with you, but they obviously are the kind of benchmark for zombie films and a zombie film as we know it have a lot of gore and it's a lot of pulling your hand in guts and eating, you know, brains and all that kind of stereotypical zombie stuff, which, you know, I don't get, don't get me wrong. I like that as much as the next man. But you said that you like the story here and, but I, I, you know, I, I had some sort of problems with the, with the story here. And, you know, we see Brad Pitt. He's this uh, UN investigator and we're, we introduced to him at the beginning of the film alongside his family. So he's got his wife and his two children and they're pretty much in the film for the first act and then they're parked and sort of disappear completely out of proceedings right up until the end of the movie. And it just feels as if the film didn't really kind of introduces them as characters and then like, ah, oh, you know what? We don't need them anymore. We're just going to park them, uh, park them over here. And so I think, I think that's, I think the reason for that is they want to kind of establish his uh, family man, nice guy credentials by the fact that he's looking after, he's playing with, he's ruffling his son's hair. Then he, he meets some other, you know, he likes children, not in that way. You know, they they want to kind of get him as the good guy. So I think having that. It's a, it's a plot line. It's a kind of a character line you see a lot in films. It just, I think it's like to establish a character. Not great for the, you know, the actress playing the wife because she doesn't get to do anything. But I think that's probably the reason. Well, one of the things I did enjoy about this movie a lot was actually 
probably the first sort of 20 minutes of the movie and i think you've already mentioned that you quite like the beginning of the movie mm. as well the the the, the use of uh, the montage of yeah. news reports uh, but i actually thought that the kind of the sequence in philadelphia i think it is where we see brad pitt and his family inside a car and you can see certain things start to happen this uh, you know these police uh, helicopters start buzzing overhead then you see these uh, police motorcycles start sort of racing between gridlocked traffic so you get this sense that something's happening but you don't quite know what it is i actually thought you know i really enjoyed that uh, section of the film because i thought it it sort of got us into the action story very quickly and yeah. uh you know it's actually sort of quite a you know quite a tense and dramatic you know section of the film at the beginning i was really surprised completely agree you get the, the sense of chaos so mm. everything's going about as normal it's just a traffic jam that they're stuck in and then suddenly what you expect to happen is like police to be really you know nice and do the job and be respectful to people they're going crazy people just smashing through park traffic to get away from whatever danger which we don't know and you're looking and everyone's got just wide-eyed kind of they don't know what's going on they kind of panic and chaos which you'd get exactly that kind of thing if suddenly there was like a marauding pack of zombies coming through the town centre. That was perfect. I thought that was fantastic. But I was slightly less impressed with some of the stuff that happened after that sequence. So after that sort of uh, street scene, we see uh, Pitt and his family hole up in this block of flats and they take refuge with this uh, family of, uh, I think they're Mexicans. I think they're yeah. meant to be. And Latinos. Latinos. Say. And then you see Pitt and his family have to sort of fight their way up to the roof in order to be helicoptered away to safety. And the kind of sequence where, the action sequence where they're sort of going up this staircase. I mean, it was so dark, you could see almost nothing in that particular sequence. And... You know, I think they were perhaps trying to hide some of the violence with the use of light uh, in oh. order to keep the ratings down. I, I don't know. I, that sequence just started to highlight some of the problems that I had with this film. Personally, I didn't have any trouble with it being too dark. I mean, it was at night, so you expect to be a little bit dark. It seemed quite dramatic. It all worked for me. I didn't right to the end where they had to, you know, they're, they're trying to get onto a helicopter that's trying to pick him up on the rooftop and there's zombies chasing him up this uh, like uh, fire escape steps and as he's running towards the helicopter you've got the allies just picking off zombies as they're like bullets whizzing past Brad Pitt to shoot zombies behind and let's just say if anyone's not seen the film these zombies can run they're not the kind of slow lumbering zombies that we're used to they can absolutely cane it so they're, they're your worst nightmare really uh, I thought it worked really well I don't know don't know what your problem is Will <laughs> Well, after that particular section of the movie, the action then moves to South Korea and an, an American airbase, which is in the country and people believe is the potential source of the zombie outbreak. So Brad Pitt is, is dispatched out to this Air Force base. And I think it's there that uh, a certain pattern in this film starts to really emerge here, which is that uh, Brad Pitt seems to be something of a one man disaster area. I mean, He's meant to be the hero, but uh, seems to have one dark rain cloud of luck hanging over his head. I don't know if you picked up on the same thing, Dara. Well, yeah, I think everyone he comes into contact with pretty much dies or has a part <laughs> of their body chopped off or gets eaten. I suppose, to be fair to him, he is going into the danger zone to try and find the source of the of the virus in order to sort of isolate it. So he, you know, he is he's not sitting as we would have mm. done, you know, in our fortified front room eating beans from a tin. He's trying to find find a solution to this problem, Will. 
So, you know, got cut him some slack. Yes, but certain bits do rather stretch credulity. So we meet this character who's meant to be the hero of this film. He's built up as this scientist who is the world's one hope of finding a cure to the virus. And uh, as soon as they land in South Korea, they're uh, attacked by zombies. And uh, this scientist character, uh, in order to, you know, tries to run away and ends up shooting himself in the head. Oh, yeah, that was a bit ridiculous. And also, (laughs) so then Brad Pitt is like the de facto now uh, in charge of scientific operation. And uh, they obviously then have to try and escape there and get back on the plane. And he he tips that these zombies are attracted by sound. And what does he do? He gets a phone call. It's like the typical thing in the cinema. They tell you to turn your turn your Turn your phone off to silent, you know, before the film starts, not to bother anyone. He's got his phone going. His his missus calls him as he's on his bike, riding in between these zombies. Phone goes off and, uh, you know, all hell breaks loose. He isn't the most capable kind of hero. uh, And that's probably the reason that a lot of uh, the people by his side end up dead. Well, I mean, if I saw him coming towards me in this film, I'd be asking for a priest and uh, trying to get my affairs in order because I (laughs) I wouldn't be thinking I'd be too much longer for this earth. He's not he's not a Scientologist, is he, Brad Pitt? I'm not sure he'd accept that. Is he a Scientologist? I've no idea. I don't think he is. I don't think uh, so. I like. To, I hope he isn't, because that that would be that would be not accepted in any of his films. I don't think. But I mean, it is it is quite incredible the list of catastrophes that uh, follow him around in this film, because you know Philadelphia at the beginning of the film we see that goes to hell within uh, minutes of uh, Brad Pitt's arrival. The poor Mexican family that he shelters with they all get chewed up by zombies. The the scientist shoots himself in the head. He also then manages to sabotage an entire country because Israel is perfectly safe behind its. Uh, it's oh, yeah. walls that it's erected for itself until, obviously, Brad Pitt arrives. Yeah, don't don't forget at the end when the some of the zombies actually manage to jump on the plane and get on the plane. He just kind of goes, I'm not really interested in about saving the lives of any of the other passengers. I've got my grenade and I'm going to blow a hole in the side of the plane and let it suck every single other person in the plane out whilst we're safe in the front with our seatbelts on. Yeah, he's not he's not uh he's not a man to uh hang around with. He 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 keeps himself safe and that's the only person he's worried about. He rather sounds a man after your own heart. Yeah, I might invite him in. I might he might ha- get special uh, exemption into my my uh, new cult. So let's uh, dig into the depiction of violence in this movie because we've we've already sort of touched on it at several points already and this film was a PG-13 and I think they deliberately tried to keep the rating down in order to uh, get as many bums on seats in the theatres. Now for me this was a real problem because zombie movies we all know how do you kill a zombie it's by shooting them in the head. Mm. or by driving a stake through the head. So it seems to me inexplicable that if you're going to make a zombie movie that you are going to saddle yourself with a rating which makes showing the method of killing a zombie almost impossible. And it's it just renders some parts of this film completely ridiculous. So you see these zombies, they're swarming over like living humans, and I guess it's meant to look like they're sort of eating their flesh, but because the film can't show you that, it just ends up looking like these zombies are are sniffing these people like a frisky (laughs) dog. (laughs) I mean, 
I do see what you're saying. I mean, I think they really did have discussions about how graphic they can make the film in order to get a rating. It was kind of almost like, you know, the, the aim was to try and push it as much as they can to get this 12A, but nothing more. I, I do see what you're saying. And I think the film probably would have been better if you had one or two isolated, you know, depictions of gore or the usual stuff you see kind of would have made it a little bit more kind of the zombies a little bit more scary. Obviously, they're quite scary by the fact that they're so they're very mobile and they kind of dart about and they're kind of erratic when they get uh, stimulated like much more than a human. They seem to be able to jump and, you know, they're f- even faster, they're more powerful than humans, which is a bit weird. I've not seen that before. Yeah, I think you probably have a point, Will, but money talks and they wanted to get bums on seats, so they can't, couldn't do, can't, couldn't do an R rating. Well, one thing we definitely need to talk about on this episode is, is really the third act of this film because, you know, World War Z, uh, as I said in my introduction, it was one of the most sort of talked about films of the year, but mostly because of all of the issues that it had in its production. And very famously, this film was, uh, shot, edited, and basically the studio looked at it and decided this film cannot be released as it is and they decided to uh, reshoot the entire third act so originally what you had in this film was the action was then going to move to russia and you had brad pitt inventing this device called a lobotomizer in order to kill the zombies and we see we see brad pitt becoming the leader of the human resistance. Instead, what we have in this film is uh, the action moving to a scientific laboratory in Wales. And <laughs> this has got the, this laboratory is supposed to, supposed to have the answer to the particular crisis. And there's some zombies that have, uh, there's been a zombie break outbreak within the laboratory itself. So there's lots of skulking around corridors and lots of creaking doors as well. Yeah, Dara, what did you make of this third act? It's the third act that kind of makes the film for me. So I think the decision to do this and reshoot the third act was very wise. Obviously, I've not, I've not seen the original. I don't know whether there is any kind of... From what I gather, it was a big budget set piece set in Red Square, Brad Pitt turning into Rambo and lots of killings and stuff like that. And what they've done is they've looked at that and thought, well, this isn't supposed to be... It's from a... No, the source material is quite a well thought after and you know critically acclaimed book so they've gone you know they've gone for a more character driven ending a more character driven plot line all the way through so you are seeing Brad Pitt at the end just you know he's dealing with zombies but it, the, the the tension as he's trying to get through this laboratory to get these they basically find a cure for, um, what he thinks is a cure by injecting himself with uh, viruses because the zombies don't want to eat people who are basically not very tasty and about to die. So he's skulking around this laboratory, trying to make as little noise as possible in order to not provoke, because they've got no chance against these zombies otherwise. Um, and I thought, I thought it was incredibly tense and worked really well in the kind of the scheme. You've had all the grand action at the beginning and in the middle, and then it kind of really pairs it down. I suppose it's a bit like... Uh, some of the endings in like alien for instance and i thought it was really good and a wise decision obviously they they looked at the first cut of the film uh, and thought this just isn't working so they make a brave decision and i think a correct decision well i really wasn't impressed by the ending at all it just seemed a collection of tropes that you've seen in countless episodes of i don't know something like scooby-doo where somebody's creeping down a corridor and then kicks something entirely 
observable and you know that's sure enough that's what brad pitt does here just kicks this completely observable can of coke thus making a noise that attracts the zombies and you know what does he do at right at the end of the movie the one weapon that he's got is a crowbar and you know he puts it down and leaves it outside of the room that he then goes into i mean come on you are presumably in this you know you're in this environment where you could be killed any moment you know what is the one thing you're going to make sure you have in your hand at a time it's the weapon isn't it yeah, but he he he's sure that what he's gone on to get this virus will solve will solve his problem. So and it, and he's right. He ends up injecting himself with the virus. The zombies don't want to eat him. He, he walks through, and I think it's quite a nice scene at the end. So he you've got all the zombies that were attracted to the noise suddenly see Brad Pitt walk into him. They all run towards him and just completely ignore him because he's almost invisible to them because his his blood is coursing with this virus he's injected, and they don't want to eat him. I see where you're coming from, but would you really have wanted another big CGI-driven... You know, you've just had two of those in the film. You want another one at the end as well? Not necessarily. I just want it done better. It's really interesting what you said, though, because that moment, I know exactly the moment you're talking about, where Brad Pitt's walking down the corridor and all the zombies are running towards him, and that's clearly meant to be a big moment. Now, for me, it didn't land, but for you, it obviously completely landed. Yeah, it did. I, I thought it was a very, very, because zombies have been, you know, there's the whole thing about zombies coming towards you and they're going to, and he can, he's confident that he's found the cure and he can walk serenely through these zombies and no, they're not going to get him. And everyone's amazed because they can't believe he would have been devoured in two seconds. So yeah, I, I felt it actually worked quite well, but quite powerful. Ooh, fair enough. Now, World War Z 2 is apparently on the horizon. There have been, after things going very quiet with this movie, uh, there have in the, the last sort of 18 months or so been sort of various rumours and news stories about a sequel finally firing up into production. Dara, would you be up for seeing a sequel to this movie? I really would. And... The reason at the moment I would like to see it is because attached to it is David Fincher, who's one of my favourite directors. You know, I absolutely love uh, Love 7. I liked Alien 3. I know a lot of people, I don't know if you're a big fan of Alien 3. I, I kind of like his, he's, he's good at claustrophobia. He's good at, you know, the kind of, it's very stylistic, his films. Mm. He, he, he shoots him in a way, you know, you can almost tell a David Fincher film. There's always a very like, strong atmosphere in his movies. Yeah, exactly. So I'd like to know what he could do with this i mean i i just i don't know i'm a fan of kind of more of the claustrophobia aspects of kind of horror and psychological horror i think they work more they look way work better for me so i think if he's going to do that kind of film i don't know what plot he would do i mean i think we were talking before the original source material the book it goes over a 10-year period where this film is pretty much you know it hard uh, the, the, the film we're talking about the, the first world war z it, it, it kind of dis- dispenses a lot of the material from the film and it's almost like an independent story and it's on its own it would be interesting to maybe see what the zombie outbreak did five years after or even 10 years after the outbreak um you know how the world has changed i mean to be honest even though i enjoyed this film compared to something like 28 days later it, there's no comparison that's a much better film in my danny, danny did danny ball do that one he did didn't he he did yes yeah that that for me is a much better film it's much more realistic but i'd like to see it go maybe in that kind of direction 
But uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you what do you think? Are you if you are you done with this now, or would you like to see a sequel? Well, if David Fincher is involved, then I would definitely be interested to see what he does with it because I think he's a, a fantastic director, and as you said, he does he, he's wonderfully atmospheric and he's able to create tension very creatively. I, I don't know if you've seen the film that he did. The name is uh, going out of my. Uh, oh yeah, I don't know if you've seen the film Zodiac. There is a sequence in that film where one of the policemen, I think it is, or the reporter, goes to the house of a suspect, and he's, I think, he goes down into the, goes down into the basement of the house, and mm-hmm. nothing actually happens. But Fincher is just absolutely crafts that sequence so masterfully that it is, it's incredibly tense, almost unbearably tense, and just doing that with a a complete horror staple of uh, somebody going down into a basement. So I, I you think know. I have seen, Is that the one about the serial killer? Yeah. Yeah, I have seen. That is a good film. I think he's also a very intelligent filmmaker, and so I think that he would be able to find a way of taking the ideas in the source material in the novel and incorporating them in a way which tells a good story but also you know has those ideas. I think one of the things that intimidated or created problems with the with this World War Z adapting it from the book was that the book is there's so full of ideas that I think there was just too much there and I don't think they ever quite got a handle on how to simplify the novel and I think that if David Finch is involved I think there's a much much more chance of success of finding a way to navigate the demands of a two-hour film and a, a, you know a novel that has got some you know strong and intelligent ideas that it wants to put across. I find it quite interesting to look at the sort of behind the scenes about filmmaking and not just sort of skill of a director, but just sort of the money side and, you know, what motivates certain directors to make certain decisions, writers to make certain decisions, actors to choose certain films. It seems to me these days, the bigger the budget you've got, the more constraints you've got, more people pulling at your creative vision. You know, like this film, for instance big budget brad pitt attached to the film you know they start looking at things like you know how will this play in china you know all these things that kind of dilute what the film's about not making it an r-rated film making it a 12a it almost seems like the bigger the budget the the, you know you're you've got so many obstacles to making a good film you know when's the last intelligent big budget film i'd like people to you know tweet us and tell us the last film that was over 250 million dollars to make and was really intelligent, had something to say, looked at things in a different way. You know, wasn't just explosions or people get shot, car chases. I don't think these films are able to be made. It's almost an impossibility. Answers on a postcard, please. Please. OK, I think it's that time in the podcast where we have to discuss the meaning of existence or at least the meaning of our existence, which is the exploding helicopter. But before we do that, please listen to this important message. On the Simplistic Reviews podcast, we talk movies. We talk TV. We talk. Hello, Julie, what the heck are you doing? Trying to make our spots sound more exciting by adding explosions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could have got the point across with sound effects, not the real thing. Download the show on iTunes or at simplisticreviews.blogspot.com. I'm sure your insurance company will cover that. No, they won't. No, they probably won't. We're back and we're talking exploding helicopters. So this is the setup for the key scene. We're in Israel and everyone is safe inside the security walls that the country has built. 
Unfortunately, Brad turns up and the place quickly goes to hell. Having scaled the walls, CGI zombies are now running amok. Pitt is now on the run for his life. A military helicopter tries to rescue him, but is waved off when zombies swarm towards it. Unfortunately, it's not quick enough, and the undead meat munchers are able to clamber on. Weighed down, the whirlybird spins, then drops to the ground where it explodes. Dara, what did you make of the exploding helicopter action? Well, I quite I quite enjoyed it. I suppose it's another way for the filmmakers to show that the world's sort of collapsing, you know, and getting overrun. So, you know, even a helicopter in the air is not safe because they seem to have like jumped from the I think they jumped from the ramparts to actually yeah. get onto this helicopter's struts and then they kind of hang off it like those monkeys you get with the those plastic monkeys that kind of hang off each other. And they're like dangling from the from the struts and the weight of it brings the helicopter. Actually, the, they, some of the zombies sort of climb up each other like ants and then go into the cockpit. And obviously mm. then you don't you don't see the pilot get chomped or anything like that, but he's obviously <laughs> a goner. And then it starts spiring like a really horrible angle. And then it all just smashes into the ground. And the, I think like quite nice shots of rotor blades sort of flying off. And uh, I quite liked it. It looked quite real. We always like a nice rich inferno obviously it's cgi this is cgi there's no doubt about it but looks very realistic nice explosion you don't see any kind of suffering which is a shame because we like to see suffering with our exploding helicopters but you don't get that in a 12a world there you go that's another thing you've been they've dilded you out of some human suffering here I, I I like to watch human suffering and I like to inflict human suffering. So yeah, by by, by doing a podcast every other week, you're doing it <laughs> on a regular basis. Yeah, I'm taking my uh, human suffering out to the entire planet. <laughs> but uh, like yourself, I enjoyed this exploding helicopter. I you know I I liked how you you know the helicopters make a despairing effort to you know take off quickly and get away. And then you just see a few of the zombies like grabbing onto the landing struts, then a few more and more. And you can see the pilot is sort of losing control. And as you said, you can see them sort of clamber inside the helicopter and you start using your own imagination as to what the, uh, the scenes of carnage that must be the horror. Taking, yeah. The horror. Yeah. The carnage that must be taking place inside that cockpit. And, uh, yeah, you then see it, uh, crash into the ground on its side. Yeah. Good explosion. I, I liked that particular, that particular scene because obviously you know brad pitt up to that point was pinning his hopes on making a getaway on that helicopter so you know it was a good scene to you know heighten the drama uh, cut off that route of escape and you know force him to find a plan b yeah i guess if you're gonna if you're gonna have one of these in there you either make the exploding network completely ridiculous you make it completely massive or you actually make it part of the plot those are kind of the three key uh, successes for the any exploding helicopter directors out there we should point out to the one or two people who do listen to this podcast that uh, there have actually been some other films with uh, helicopters destroyed by zombies. So, uh, so World War Z isn't uh, a unique in that particular aspect. So uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the uh, Resident Evil films, Dara, but... Uh, I, I know you're a big fan of Mila Djokovic or Djokovic. <laughs> You've got an un- <laughs> unhealthy uh, obsession with her. I can't, for the life of me, imagine why, Will. But, and I, I have not seen those films. Please tell me about them. I will tell you one thing about them is that <laughs> um, she always shows nipple in the uh, Resident oh. Evil movies. Oh. Uh, and uh, apparently she even... Um, up to the ante because uh, I think in in she'd shown one nipple in one and she decided you know what I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna do both nipples in the uh, in the next one but uh, well she's gonna show three in the third one <laughs> she's the uh, Scaramanga. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, the uh, the Resident Evil films, the first film doesn't feature an exploding helicopter, but um, all of the subsequent films, apart from the most recent one, the sixth film, the final chapter. Six fe- films? Six films. Are these direct-to-video or something? No, they're they're actually, you wouldn't believe, ha- guess how much these films have grossed in their oh. worldwide takings? I don't know, some of them, 300 million. More than that. They've collectively, all the films, they've grossed well over $1 billion now. Wow. Did these come out of the cinema then, these films? Yeah. All of the film. you look at the, uh, you look at those films, all of them make money. And why do they uh, make six films? Because they make money. Make money and people want to see them, even though I'm sure they're toilet. Will, are we, are we going to do a Resident Evil film at some point? Would you like to do one, Dara? What what is the highest rating Resident Evil film on Ron Tomatoes? I thought you were going to ask me which one has the most nipples in, but uh, <laughs> the third one. <laughs> I will look at which one has the uh, highest rating on uh, Ron Tomatoes, and maybe, maybe uh, we, we can schedule that birthday. in. Maybe we do one for your but Christmas is coming up, Will. How a nice little present you can get to watch Mila Djokovic. <laughs> three, three breasts. Come on, and, I want uh, you, we can... we're not leaving this podcast until you get her name out. I don't even know. I've never heard it pronounced. You tell, what's her name? How do you say Jovovich. Jovovich. Okay. Well Jovovich. done. You did there it. You go. Excellent. Uh, okay, maybe. Tune in, guys. This could be your next treat. <laughs> well, it's Christmas and my birthday coming up, so I, I think we. I think it's the perfect time for me to twist your arm into uh, into doing one of these movies. Okay, well, it's a deal. Okay, well, I think that just about wraps up our discussion of World War Z. Dara, thanks for joining me once again. I'm off to the shed to stock up on tins. Just a few things from me. Check out the website, explodinghelicopter.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, give us a retweet or shout out on Facebook. Help spread the word about what we do. We'll be back soon. But until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Why'd you sell guns to the North? Why not? Are they surviving this? Indeed they are. Using your guns? Guns are half measures. How then? They took away Zeke's exponential power. They pulled the teeth of all 23 million in less than 24 hours. Greatest feat of social engineering in history. It's brilliant. No teeth. No bite. No great spread. <laughs>